Hi there, I'm Caroline Casper, and on behalf of the Equity Foundation and the Actors Benevolent Fund of New South Wales, I'd like to welcome you to the Equity Health and Wellness Series. Firstly, I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nations and pay my respect to the traditional owners of country, all throughout our country, and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land, and we pay our respects to Elders, past, present and emerging. Kia ora to our New Zealand brothers and sisters, who we all look longing at for your COVID-free existence. Before we start this morning, I'd like to introduce Bruce Spence, the Chair of the Actors Benevolent Fund of New South Wales, to say a few words. I'm Bruce Spence, Chairperson of the Actors Benevolent Fund of New South Wales. Our mission is to help people working in the entertainment industry who find themselves in crisis. And in our 75-year history, we have had no other crisis as extreme as COVID-19. Employment in the areas of film, TV and stage can be spasmodic at the best of times. Even when times are good, approximately 90% of us can expect to be out of work. And I'm sure we're all more than familiar with the precarious nature of finding our next gig. COVID-19 has hit the arts, especially the entertainment industries, particularly hard, right from the start. We were the first to lose our jobs, and despite earnest efforts to restart productions, we may well be the last to get back to a fully functioning industry. Many of us are suffering right now. So I'm delighted to introduce you to a, a milestone for both the New South Wales Actors Benevolent Fund and the Equity Foundation. We've come together to run a series of health and well-being live stream sessions over the next few months to offer specific tools, information and assistance for creative professionals to help you survive and thrive in this current climate. Guest speakers will deal with the problems of resilience, anxiety, finance and budgeting, essentially assisting you in enhancing your survival skills in an industry that can be pretty challenging. Welcome to the Health and Wellness Series. Enjoy. Thank you, Bruce. COVID-19 has placed those of us within the arts and performance industries under unique pressure. We differ in many ways from other industries and indications are we as creatives are under serious mental health stress that will not be alleviated in the short term. Our hope is that this series will go some way to unlocking and discovering met methods to keep ourselves mindful, present and to give us the tools to deal with the challenges that we face. Today's session will run for 45 minutes with 15 minutes for questions. Questions will be taken from our, live, our Facebook live stream. So please take the opportunity to send us a note and we'll endeavour to ask Julie later in the, in the session. Apologies in advance if your question isn't answered. We may not be able to get to everyone. And now it is my pleasure to introduce Dr Julie Crabtree. Some of you may know her from previous events the Foundation has hosted, but Julie is the go-to person on health and wellbeing in the creative mind space. Her work with creative people draws on over 27 years of experience as a psychologist, both in private practice and with organisations. She holds a doctorate in clinical psychology and her doctoral research into creativity and mental health means that she's at the forefront of our understanding of how to be both healthy and creative. Take it away, Julie. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for welcoming me into your homes. 
This is an un unparalleled opportunity for you to be developed in your ability to work on your own well-being and issues. And so rather than being just information, I'll be encouraging you to develop skills. I'll be encouraging you to do some work for yourself in your own homes so that at the end of our series, you can be stronger, more resilient, more able to deal with the, the different things that 2020 has thrown us. So our first in the series is on resilience. And we're going to look at what resilience means for us. So resilience is the ability to tolerate disturbance without collapsing, to withstand shock, to rebuild when necessary, and to improve. So just think for, the, for a moment, what do you need to rebuild? What shocks have you had that you need to withstand? In what ways do you want to improve? So at the end of the time, you'll be able to be a bit more resilient. We all need to be resilient. But in particular, those within the arts and performance industries particularly need to develop resilience, not only for 2020, but throughout your career. And that's for a whole lot of reasons that are particular to who you are as a creative person. So in terms of the, ne the next slide, um, what we're looking at there is research has, has identified a number of vulnerabilities that um, uh, these are qualities of thinking and personality that creative people have, which is essential for them to be creative. But it also means that they're vulnerable to, to emotional distress, vulnerable to anxiety and overthinking. And so we're going to be addressing these vulnerabilities. In particular, researchers talk about divergent thinking, but we're going to talk about fluid thinking. And that's rapid fluid thinking able to make unique associations. You think fast. The next one is greater open, openness to experience. That means that you are exploratory, you are risk-taking, you need change all the time. So a period of time like we've been through can be very, very difficult because you are wired to explore. You are wired for novelty. The third thing is, and again, psychologists are great at making up big words that mean different things. And so we try and translate it. So, so uh, psychologists and researchers talk about low latent inhibition, which is the reduced ability to filter out irrelevant information. You are more sensitive to noises, to emotions, to your environment. You are, you are more sensitive to those things. You don't have the same filters. So that, again, that's got huge implications for, for now. The uh, researchers talk about, and I apologise for this, they talk about high neuroses. And what that means, it doesn't mean you're neurotic. What it means is you've got a reduced ability to filter out irrelevant information. That's all it means. And it also means that you have the reduced ability to, to feel people, people's pain, that you feel your own pain deeply and you feel other people's pain very, very deeply. And this period of time, I've been very aware that for those within the performance industries, they're not only they're feeling their own distress, but they're feeling the distress of their industry and they're feeling the distress of their world. So that's very, very difficult to manage. We call it 
um, that emotional empathy and skinlessness. The last one is impulsive nonconformity, which is the ability to, to be a nonconformist, to do different things, to not want to follow the rules. And again, that can be difficult in this present time. So there's a whole lot of reasons that for you in the arts and performance industries that you're having particular difficulty right now. We know that our mental health experts are starting to talk about it being a mental health epidemic, and it really is. I, I've talked about why in particular it's hard for you. And, um, and, and this is about proactively you being able to do something about it. So the other thing you should be aware is it's not just your own vulnerability, but it's also the fact that the industry places unique demands on you. No industry asks you to create in a moment. No industry has the level of financial difficulty and stresses that you have. And I think right now, with uh, the industries in both of our countries being under you know, significant stress, that that is, that is a huge stressor for you. So we just want to acknowledge that um, right now. When we think about resilience, um, research talks about a number of different things that are associated with being a resilient person. And we're going to be talking about a number of these things over the next nine sessions. There will be some that we'll be talking about today, but in particular, we, we see resilience as being uh, around understanding a secure identity, and we'll be giving particular attention to identity in a couple of weeks' time. Your values are important and what you value. And learning to value yourself is incredibly important as a resilient person. Relationships are also vital and we will be talking about that in, in, um, in a couple of weeks as well. Flexibility, all that ability to be able to manage the intensity of emotion that you feel. We'll be talking about that in, in a couple of weeks. Um, we will be looking at mastery or the skills that you need to develop. We'll be looking at skill development today and we'll be looking at skill development over the next couple of weeks. Because we don't want you just to hear the information, we want you to learn how our different skills that are associated with being a resilient person. And I'll be talking about some of those things that are available for you, for you to practice in the weeks in between the sessions. We'll be looking at growth and what you need for growth. And these are all the things that are associated with being a resilient person. So module one will be mastery, learning new skills, growth, developing awareness, values, developing perspective. Module two will be flexibility, managing your emotions, and mastery, learning skills of managing your emotions. And module three, relationships, learning to have relationships that are really good, resilient relationships. So that's, that's our module on resilience. There will be other modules that will cover identity and will cover relationships. And, and we will look at that over the next nine weeks. First thing that I want us to address is the question of awareness. You can't change something unless you're aware of it. You can't change or develop things in yourself unless you're aware of it.
And this has been a particular time where I think it's been easy for us to numb out. It's been easy for us to get distracted. It's been easy for us to get detached. Now, all of those things can be helpful at different times. But I, I think if we are looking to develop awareness, if we're looking to develop resilience, it first comes with an awareness. So in your home, listening to this, I want you to firstly become aware of how your body is. Now, for those of you that, that may be used to performance, being, being comfortable and used to your body is something familiar to you. But for those of you that may not be in the performance part of the industry, this may be a little bit more unfamiliar. And there can be a simple thing like a body scan. And that means that you just quickly, from, from your toes all the way up, your leg, your thighs, your back, your upper back, your shoulders, through your jaw, all the way up, your forehead, and all the way down. And what we're doing is noticing our body without judgment. And it's very important I said that notice without judgment because when it comes to our bodies, we're very good at shaming ourselves to do with our bodies. And we, we are conscious of the things that are wrong, not the things that are right about our bodies. So when we do a body scan, we're just noticing without judgment how our body is. You know, if our, our shoulders are a bit tight, just let them go. If our breath is really shallow, we just try and deepen it. If our jaws are locked tight, we just loosen it. And we're just beginning to notice how our body is. The next thing I want you to begin to be aware of is how you are emotionally. I want you to ask questions of, you know, how am I feeling? We know that the resilient person is one that can name their emotions. And that's a very easy skill to develop. And that means that we just come, how am I feeling right now? You know, am I feeling uh, frustrated? Am I feeling annoyed? Am I feeling happy? And then try and dig down underneath. What's underneath frustrated? Am I feeling a little ashamed of what was going on a couple of days ago? Did what happened yesterday kind of make me feel a little rejected? N noticing your feelings can be really, really helpful. Naming your feelings can be really helpful. So I want you to notice your feelings, name them. Then I want you to process them. What are the thoughts connected to it? What's going on for you connected with those feelings? And notice your breath with that. Notice, notice how you're, you're breathing in connection to your feelings. And then release it. To give you an example of what I'm talking about, a week ago we had some people over and I ran through a screen door and actually hurt myself a lot. The meal went on and everything was fine, but I was aware of feeling unsettled the days afterwards. So I did exactly what I've shown you. I noticed that I was feeling unsettled. I started to name it. You know, I, I named that feeling. Some of it was you know, it was a feeling of humiliation. I felt humiliated. I was laughed at. I felt humiliated. I named it. I processed it. I, I worked out what my thoughts were connected to. I didn't like them laughing at me. 
and then I let it go. Learning how to process our feelings mindfully, learning how to name our feelings is a really important as a resilient person. The next thing we ask is what you're thinking, how your thoughts. My observation is that we've got a very good demanding voice, critical voice, bully voice in our head. And that voice can get louder at different times. You know, you're stupid. Don't be stupid, don't be ridiculous. You know, I can't believe it, you're such a loser. And we've got these little trickle of thoughts about ourselves that go on in the background. And they impact our mood and well-being. One of the things we're gonna to learn to do is catch that bullying, demanding voice and start to develop kindness toward ourselves over these next couple of weeks. So in this moment, notice your thoughts. Is your bully there? Is your critic there? Is your demanding voice there? And then start thinking of things that are self-kind. What is a, a statement that you can say about yourself that is kind? You know, you're sitting there working on yourself, trying to grow and develop. That's an incredibly important thing. So we're learning to challenge and change our, our harsh, demanding, critical voice. The last thing we're going to notice is our behaviour. You know, do you notice, have you been, you know, drinking more just because you're trying to numb out? Have you been avoiding people a little bit more? Have you been acting out a little bit more? Just notice your behaviour. And as you finish here, go, well, I, I think this is good behaviour, but maybe I've been emotionally eating a little bit more than I should. Maybe I know I'm always better when I exercise and I've been avoiding exercising. Just notice your behaviour and, and make a determination about the things that you want to change. So it's a simple exercise of body scan, mindfully noticing your emotions, noticing your demanding voice and critic and noticing your behaviour. But you can't do any of that without your awareness. Now what we're going to do is we're going to provide for you what's called a daily mood chart. And it means that you can chart for yourself what's happening over the next couple of weeks or so. It will ask you to notice how many hours you're sleeping. It will ask you to rate your mood. It will ask you to just note down any things that might have unsettled you. Because what we're doing is we're building your awareness of how you are. When we're feeling low and down, it's like we get a black filter over our face and perspective. And we see, our, we see the world as dark and black. We see everything as dark and black. Sometimes when we do a daily mood chart, we recognize, actually, I, I had some good days. It feels like everything is black, but actually I had some good days. So noticing, noticing how you are and being aware and charting things over the next week or so is what I would encourage you to do as your homework in developing your resilience. Now I just flipped one of, the, one of the slides which talks about allostatic load. And this is some language that talks about the fact that our body has a wear and tear on us. We've got stress hormones called adrenaline cortisol that have the effect of increasing our heart rate, increasing our breathing rate, taking everything toward our extremities, to our muscles, diverting attention for our immune system and our digestion, giving us what we need to fight, freeze or run away. Now in times of stress like this, we have the stress hormones happening, but they don't go away. 
And so we have a wear and tear on our body that um, psychologists call an allostatic load. It's the wear and tear on our body system from having too much stress hormones in our body. And so there's a reason that we want to develop resilience because we want to reduce the allostatic load in our body. There's a reason we develop awareness because we want to reduce how our body is coping with the stresses of our, our modern world. The body scan that I took you through is a very simple exercise to switch off the stress hormones. That's why it's such an important exercise to do. And so what we are aiming to do is to, to reduce the load on our body. Because you might be in your 20s and fine, but if you don't work on your allostatic load now, you're gonna see it in your 50s. So that's why we develop re resilience. That's why we talk about these strategies of awareness. That's why we talk about the, um, the need to do mindfulness training, because we're trying to shut down our stress hormones and reduce the stress and strain in our body. There are other things that are incredibly important to us when we think about resilience. And one of those things that we mentioned was values. Values relate to perspective, how we view the world, they relate to the meaning we bring things, and they relate to the things that we value. If you are somebody that values your, your physical health, if you're somebody that values good relationships, if you're somebody that values your, your family and your friends, if you are somebody that values the development of your career, then those things are important to be aware of. The first thing that we're gonna talk about is changing perspective. And I see this as a an crit, critical and important point in resilience training. In fact, research suggests that one of the most important and powerful coping strategies is strangely to see others as worse off than you. It's a shift of perspective. And often if we see people that are, are struggling more than we are, then it helps us put things into perspective. And I think as difficult as this time has been, thinking about those people in the industry that are in other countries such as the US or Europe and England, who are struggling with even more of a lockdown, it helps us put our issues into perspective. Perspective is really important. That's why often it's so important for your mental health to do things like give to the community, to volunteer for the community, because what it does is help you develop perspective. You know, you, you see people, you can empathise with people, you can see other people struggling. And, you know, one of the things that my job does when I see people, it gives me the, the huge responsibility of hearing people's stories. And that helps me put my own stuff into perspective because I, I go look at these people and the challenges they face, you know, and helps me put my own challenges in perspective. So in a simple way, it's changing perspective is shifting from a, a me focus to an other, other focus. If we're used to seeing ourselves as a victim, working hard to shift perspective to seeing yourself as somebody that is empowered to do things within your control. You can't change lockdown if you're in Victoria. 
but you can change some things in terms of how you control your immediate world. If you see this current time as an incredible crisis that's going to be terrible and you, your whole future is going to be impacted by it, your, your distress is going to be much higher than seeing it as, as I'm not going to say an opportunity because I think that's overused, but a moment in time for you to stretch and develop things for yourself. In fact, we know from research that a crisis time can be the most important time for us to change things. And that's my challenge to you. Use this time, use this 2020 year to stretch and change things in yourself that you've always wanted to. And we are good at defaulting to the negative. So we've got, got to be hard, we've got to work harder to insist on, on going to the positive. And so, and that's a shift of perspective. And I often say to people every day, think of three things that are positive in your life. Just three things. Write down journal three things that are positive in your life. Because what that does in a simple way is shift perspective. What I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a really brief video of a filmmaker talking about his shift of perspective. So if we can play that, that would be great. I'm Jimmy Hamilton. I've become an editor in television, mainly with uh, 10 Network and mainly for the last two decades of the 7 Network. A couple of years ago, I took a punt with a mate of mine. We went around the world for about three years making documentaries on tribes around the world. Um, and that series has just been picked up worldwide. Everything that I do now since I've got back, every meal I sit down to, everything, everything around me, your, your level of appreciation and gratitude goes through the roof. Uh, this experience I went through was the biggest jolt to my system. It was a real wake-up call. Now, I'm not about to say to anyone who suffers anxiety, depression or, or um, bipolar disorder is to go and live with an indigenous tribe. But I tell you what, it bloody well helps. It, it, it jolts you, it, you, you kind of look at them and think, my God, we've got everything. We've, we've got everything. And they've got nothing. They've got nothing, yet some of the people I stay with seem to be the happiest people on the planet. I used to get anxious all the time. Even, even when I, we went through this project to get this project up, it was a lot of stress. We're about to do it again and pitch other ideas and, and go forth and do it again. But even if I tried, I couldn't find that anxious feeling I used to have or that loneliness I used to feel I suffered. So, um, I, th I think that's a great, I, I guess my invitation to you is to begin this journey of shifting your values and shifting your perspective as well. As you can see with that short video, how helpful it is in terms of our mental health when we work on, um, on shifting our perspective. The other thing it's important to do is doing things that are consistent with our values. So I would ask you, what are your values? And if your values, as I said, your, your health and well-being, if your values are your family and friends, if your values are um, kind of core relationships, if your values are developing a good sustainable career, what are you prepared to do differently in the service of your values? It's a powerful question. What are you prepared to do differently to serve your values? Are you prepared to get up and exercise or even go for a little walk? 
Are you prepared to try some of these things that we've talked about in the service of your values? That's a really kind of powerful question that I'll, I'll leave you. So what, what we've been talking about today is developing of some skills. The skill of awareness, we've been looking at the skill of changing perspective, and we've been looking at the skill of changing our behaviour dependent on our values. And what I want to do in finishing is, I guess, talk to you about how you can begin to change your, your behaviour. So if we come to that slide with the V, I just want to finish with that, which is how do you behave when you're behaving unlike the, the person you want to be? Taking yourself out of the life that you want and how do you behave when you behave toward the person you want to be, taking yourself toward the life you want. And if we think about that, if we think about ourselves in one year's time and in two years' time, and you are working toward being that person that you want to be, what are the skills that you want to develop now? What are the values you want to anchor into your life? What are the things that you need right now to help you that will help take you toward the life you want? What we're doing is we're talking about setting our goals beyond just this year to a goal of personal development and growth because a resilient person is one who is always working on their personal growth and development. So how do you want to be in a year or two's time and what do you need along the way to help you? We've talked about awareness and we've given some things for you to work on over the, the week or two to develop your awareness. We've talked about perspective, which is how you can shift from that, from a perspective that is very negative and focused on you to a perspective where you start noticing other people and where you, you see yourself as, as, as perhaps more positive than you did last week where you see yourself less as being a victim and more somebody that can control some aspects of, of your circumstance in this way. So with that, I would like to invite Carolyn back and I'm really uh, open to questions. In our next module, um, we're going to be talking, as I said, about emotions. Emotions, particularly for the performer, are really important. They're, they're your fuel. But because you feel things deeply, learning how to manage your emotions can be very difficult. And so we are going to be looking at some resilient ways for you to manage your, your emotions. But over to Carolyn and over to you for your quest questions. Thank you, thank you so much. We do have a, we have a few questions here. Um, it says, hi Julie, I'm looking for ongoing support. Very much looking forward to your, to your courses over the next couple of weeks. Can you please recommend some resources and services to reach out to specialists in the creative industries? Specialists in the creative industries are few and far between. <laughs> but there are some kind of more generally available resources. I said that, that's why I encourage you to get those things online. I do know, um, and this is specific to uh, New South Wales, however, what I'm talking about is an online course. And so an organisation called CRUFAD, which is an organisation that looks at research and development in anxiety and depression, is offering free 
online courses. So that may be a good starting point for you. How do you spell that, Julie? Do you know? Um, C-R-U-F-A-D. Crufad. Yes. Sounds amazing. Yes. Uh, so that's a, that's a starting point. Black Dog Institute is, again, an excellent organisation that I think can um, help to resource you as well. Now, I'll be talking about some more of those things. So thank you for the question. And what we might do, Carolyn, is see if we can um, put up links and things like that that can help you. Perfect, perfect. In, uh, in actual fact, one of the questions is what, what other things will you be covering later on? So this is the module on resilience. Yes. Um, can you do a brief overview of... Yes. So this is the module on resilience and we'll be talking about next time emotions and next time relationships. Then we're going to do a module on identity, how you can manage your identity, particularly when if you've got your identity locked in as a performer and you're not performing, what that means for you. And then our last module will be on a particularly anxiety and, um, uh, and our thinking and beliefs. So there the nine modules we'll be covering, but also there will be other excellent modules that will be covering things like managing finances. And again, that's an essential skill for you and I would really strongly encourage you to um, uh, to look at that as well. It's a major cause of stress too, well, isn't it? And, yes, it and is. And how do you do that? What suggestions do you have to help people when the black filter, their black filter is on? Mm. And, and that was one thing that I, you know, when, when your brain is doing that and you're in that yes. whirlpool or yes. vortex, are there tools that you can do to lift yourself out? Um, there are some really simple tools. Uh, one is, an, and you know, this is depending on the weather, and it may sound a simple thing, but go out in the sunshine. The reason for that is that sunshine and light is very connected to our pituitary gland, which is connected mm. to our melatonin, which is also in, in sync with our serotonin. Serotonin is one of those things that is associated with depression. So simply, simply going outside in the sunshine, noticing smells, sounds, going out in nature does lift your, your mood considerably. Reaching out fast, uh, reaching out to friends is also a really important thing to do. Recognising, and I want everyone that suffers from low mood to write this down, and that is you recognise it's a temporary thing. Because when you are depressed, it's like you've fallen into a dark hole and that's your world and that's your life and it will never change. But we know that it gets lighter. We know you can get out of the dark place. We know things can change. So you need to write that down. And the type of things that I was talking about, like um, being very conscious about noticing positive things. When you are low, you do not notice positive things. They're there, but you don't notice them. So you have to retrain your brain to notice the positive things. So that's a couple of things, just simple things to talk about, but they're, they're effective. And also, just get out and walk and exercise. Exercise is as effective as medication in mild to moderate depression. So just get out and move. Yeah. Mm. I know. It's nothing like being no. in the sunshine. It feels like a warm bath. Yes. It's just, yes, beautiful. Mm. Do you have any tools for that voice, that, that monkey mind that chatters away and is so unhelpful at times in a creative world? I think, and that's why I wanted to, to be honest, most of the people that are creative have this harsh, perfectionistic, demanding voice in their head. And 
And it's, it's very hard because in some ways they've been taught that that's the only way they're going to get success. So it's a hard voice to not listen to as much. And I, I guess one of, the, one of the first steps is awareness. You've got to be aware of the voice. It's like just underneath your level of awareness. So you've got to be, start to be aware of it. You've also got to start to name what it's saying to you. And I think when you do that, you recognise that it's not a nice voice. It's a horrible voice. It's a voice that you would not expect to hear in a bully in the playground, but you're letting it in your head. So I think recognising that you, you can shift and soften that voice in your head. The other thing I would do is develop your self-compassion voice. That's important as well. Because in some ways giving attention to that voice can often make it louder. But I think learning to develop our self-compassion, learning to be kind to ourselves, is another way of softening that voice. Is there, is there a, a way that you could speak to, like, in your mind, but speak to that voice basically to say, I, you're not helping me, I, like, I don't need you? Uh, yes, and, uh, you know, you, you can just go, be quiet. You can say worse in your head. <laughs> I won't say it here, but you can in your head. Yeah. You, you, can, you can just go, stop, no enough and in fact I will have available a, um, a simple mindfulness exercise uh, this week but also one of the exercises for next week will be a voice will be an exercise called stop where um, you teach your mind to stop that thinking so we'll have that up probably in um, the third module the third session great uh, a few people are asking if any of the slides would be available if um, that's probably something I think we're kind of ongoingly talking about. Yeah, yeah, got you, got you, got you. Um, uh, talking about skinlessness, mm. again, are there tools that you, can, that you can develop for yourself that help you deal with, with that and it, when it does become debilitating or mm. stops or is, again, unhelpful to yes. what you're doing? And I, I particularly want to talk about this in, in our right. in, in next, next one, Perfect. kind of going to do it, because again, learning, learning your skinlessness, understanding, managing, being aware of your skinlessness is one of the ways um, that you can begin to self-care. You know, do you need to really go to that fifth online Zoom meeting when you're really tired? Exactly. You yeah. know. Yes. Um, so we'll be talking about that in more detail in mm. the next next Beautiful. session. The effects of the long-term stress that that doesn't abate. You mm. know, we, we're all used to the performance or e any creative being mm. you've got a, or you've got a project you've got to do, and it's, mm. you know, we never start it till the night before. But you you've got you've got mm. that stress and that adrenaline rush. Um, but this long-term, unrelenting mm. nature. Um, are there things that we, uh, I mean, ex as you said, exercise would probably mm. help, but are, are there mm. other? And, and I think all the things that we're covering out are really my, um, my intention is to help you shut down the stress hormones yeah. and to reduce the level of allostatic load on your system. Um, so I think that there is an, a number of different techniques and strategies, but I think the first thing is to to recognise when you keep on putting yourself under that stress, there's a wear and tear. And, and I guess from my point of view, that, that's an incentive for you to do the work. You know, we can finish the session today, but um, 
It's up to you to do the work. It's up to you to download the daily mood chart and to fill it in. It's up to you to do the mindfulness exercises, up to you to do the awareness training that we're, we're starting to do. It's up to you to challenge yourself to shift perspective. Um, it's up to you to, to start to put in place the skills and the values that are going to take you toward the person you want to be. How, how, uh, in your opinion, does diet and um, nutrition pay, play a part in alleviating or um, contributing to those states? Yes. Um, and more and more we're actually understanding about gut health and mood. Mm. More and more. I think it's one of those under-understood areas. And I guess that's part of the whole uh, kind of discussion of self-care. Because when you are kind to yourself, when you are feeling in a self-compassionate way, you want to eat things that are good for your body. You want to rest. You want to nourish yourself well. You want to move your body. When you are feeling that, that harsh voice dominating, that bullying voice that drives you on, then you don't eat well. Then you grab things, then you emotionally eat, then you grab sugars, um, you say, I have got no time to exercise, and you don't do any of those things. So um, uh, definitely diet and exercise, but as I said, I would put it under the whole heading of self-care. Mm. Mm. Um, Julie, do you have any suggestions for how to help other people when their black filter is down and they are sounding stuck? Mm. I think also encouraging them to go and see somebody. And what you may or may not be aware of is, thankfully, the government has extended the number of Medicare sessions from 10, supported by Medicare, 10 in the calendar year to 20. Oh, wow. That's a huge shift, which means that rather than having to have all of your problems solved in 10 sessions. Yes. Um, that we now have subsidised 20 sessions in the calendar year. And that is only in effect this week. So it really means that uh, what the government is doing, thankfully, is making access to mental health more available. So I would encourage that. Yeah. And I know I'm only talking to the Australian people, not the New Zealand people. Uh, people that are watching, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm less familiar with what happens in New Zealand, but I do know that you've got some excellent psychologists and counsellors in New Zealand, and you've got some really kind of emerging understanding of mental health, so I would, I would just reach out. Are there any, uh, say you've, you, you're with someone that's, that is descending into mm. that, with that black filter on, are there, are there things, things to say to them at the same time, as well as encourage them to seek further assistance. Are there things that you can, I think that's what they're saying is, is uh, you know, what do we say to that person? Mm. Is it helpful things to say? And there is, there is no magic mm. in this, to be honest. I would say more what you can do, and that would be offer to meet them for coffee, offer to go for a walk with them, offered to take them places that they enjoy if they're able to. Um, uh, it, uh, uh, it's more what you do rather than what you say. Because I think with depression we know that the more you talk about the things that are depressing you, often the more depressed you get. So just listening is, um, is not the only tool or just saying things. But I, I think particularly with depression, helping them do things is really important. Perfect, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. 
Julie, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you, thank you. It was ex extraordinary, such an enlightening talk. Please, guys, don't forget that this is only part one of a three-part series on resilience. So keep your eyes peeled for parts two and three and watch for our other events that we have going on. You can, uh, via our Facebook page or the Equity Foundation eBulletin always has all that information. Again, thank you. That was extraordinary. Pleasure. Thank you. I hope you've all got tools that we thank can you. take away. And it's just the start of, mm. of building that little toolbox that yes. we can take away and mm. get through this. Yes. Yes. Be resilient. Yes. <laughs>